Hello, you are listening to the Fairy Pod Mothers. I'm Amber, and I'm joined by my favorite podcast ladies, Rachel and Stephanie. This week, we're diving into Epcot's Food and Wine Festival. So a little history, at Epcot's Food and Wine Festival, you can stroll across six continents and beyond as you sample mouthwatering delicacies, dine on delectable dishes at delightful marketplaces, including returning favorites like Canada, Greece, Germany, and Appleseed Orchard. You can discover a cornucopia of cultures, cuisines, and innovative cooking techniques from chefs worldwide. The food aficionado's paradise is replete with delicious dishes, fine wine, craft beer, spirits, and other beverages sure to satisfy every palate. Can y'all tell I stole that from Disney's website? (laughs) I love the alliteration though. Dine on delectable dishes, a cornucopia of cultures, cuisines, and cooking techniques. All right, so in addition to the food, there's also some great entertainment to be found at the festival. Entertainment offerings include a princess promenade where you can wave to your favorite princesses as they travel around the world showcase in a horse-drawn carriage, socially distanced, of course. Jam and chefs at the Canada Pavilion and Mariachi Cobre and the Voices of Liberty at the America Gardens Theater. This year's Food and Wine Festival started July 15th and continues through November 20th. So now that we have the basics covered, let's move on to the fun part. We thought it would be fun to each choose a recipe found at the Food and Wine Festival, prepare it, and try it on the air. So just a heads up, I'm recording in my kitchen tonight, so you might hear a child or husband walk through. Also, another heads up, since we're talking about the Edcock Food and Wine Festival and we all prepare different foods, I, for one, will also have a glass of wine as we chat you know, for the podcast. So Stephanie, tell us about what you prepared. All right. So I made, it's called, um, it's an Irish box tea with corned beef, cabbage, and a cider cream sauce. Uh, box tea is the Irish answer. And if somebody listening is Irish and I'm completely mispronouncing this, please call me out. Um, but it's the Irish answer to a potato pancake and it combines mashed potatoes with grated potatoes. A little word for the wise, potatoes are slippery uh, when you're using a box grater and you should definitely hold onto the potato with a paper towel to avoid injuries, like grating your own finger. Mm. Um, (laughs) That may or may not have happened to me. From experience, Stephanie. I I will say that when I was, so this is just a little cooking tip. This was definitely one that you need to have a little bit of a, a little bit of a foundation and understanding different cooking techniques. So when you grate potatoes, potatoes have a high water content. And so you have to um, make sure that you get all of the water out. A good way to do that is to salt your grated potatoes, wrap them up tightly in either like a cheesecloth or a tea towel or paper towels work. And um, I was concerned at first because the paper towel was pink and I thought, oh gosh, did I, I, I thought that I was okay. I thought that I got my finger out of the way in time, but it was just the way that the potato was kind of draining. Um, so yeah, if you do, if you do make anything where you grate potatoes, make sure to um, pull out some of that water. Um, corned beef and cabbage is something that my family has frequently. My uh, very picky macaroni and cheese, chicken nugget, five-year-old actually asks for seconds of the beef when we have it. 
Um, so I actually prepared that for dinner tonight and then made the box tea afterwards. And then it's finished off with a cider cream sauce. Um, Fun-ish fact that I did not have a lot of fun with this morning. You can't find cider in Kroger in August. Mm. <laughs> so I had to make do with the Simply Apple Juice um, because that seems to be a little bit closer to cider than your standard apple juice. The sauce, you um, reduce down cider and then reduce it down again after adding cream and Dijon mustard. That was probably the most technical part of the dish, but that recipe wasn't even included. I had to go off and find that for myself because I was looking at the recipe and I thought, well, this is super easy. Wait a second, the title says cream sauce, where's the sauce? Um, so that I got that recipe from food.com. So I'm gonna go ahead and give it a little taste. It, it, it's definitely very creamy. I haven't tried it yet. Um, and I didn't, I could not find any pictures of it. So I don't even know how it was presented at the festival. Mm. Okay, the sauce is the best part. <laughs> the sauce is absolutely the best part. Um, wow. So, you know, cabbage can be a little bit bitter and the sauce cuts through on that. The potato pancake, I really like the, um, there's definitely like some textural differences going on. So it is kind of pan fried. And so the mashed part of it makes it soft. And then the um, grated potatoes that you stir into the mash, they make it, they give it like a little bit of a crispiness on the outside. So yeah, that's really good. Um, the sauce is made with heavy cream. So it's definitely not um, a diet friendly type dish or a calorie friendly <laughs> dish, but it is very good. Um, this Everyone would, knows calories don't count at Disney. So I think right, it falls right. under that umbrella. <laughs> I would, I would absolutely get this in the park. Um, for the sauce alone, which I know that the sauce was not the reason I was making it. It's, but I think the highlight is supposed to be that potato pancake, but the sauce <laughs> is really, really good. Um, so I, uh, out of 10, I would probably give this an eight and a half. Awesome. Hey, I wanted to say that if our listeners are interested in some of these recipes we're talking about, we will be posting them this week if you want to try to replicate what we are talking about tonight. Stephanie, I have to say that recipe sounded very complicated. Like I, I'm a simple cook. Like, so I was very impressed with everything that you were doing there. Well, I do love, I love cooking. Um, I cook most nights actually. Um, and I watched a lot of cooking shows. And so I have picked up a lot of techniques and tips. The potato, like the pancake itself was easy, but I only went off the recipe from WDW info. And I kind of wish I had watched some, like gotten a, a video or something because I'm not sure that I made the pancake correctly. So I could have, you know, maybe I'll how try long again. Did, how long did this one take you? I'm curious. The pancake portion, well, it did take a while because um, the sauce reduces and then um, you first mash potatoes and then you have to let that cool down and then you stir in the grated potatoes and some flour and a couple other things. So probably all together it's about an hour process okay some of that is passive yeah. time just letting the sauce reduce um 
letting the mashed potatoes cool down, but it was definitely worth it. Did your family like it? Um, I have actually not had anybody try it because the kids are in bed <laughs> um, and my husband was outside. Um, but I did have my husband try the sauce and he really liked the sauce. We're trying to figure out what else we can put it on. Yeah, <laughs> sounds versatile. All right, Rachel, what about you? Okay, so I picked a dish I've had before at Food & Wine. It used to be located in the World Showplace right behind Canada in the United Kingdom area. There's kind of a pavilion back there. Uh, it's called the macaroni and cheese with boars and garlic and fine herbs. Mm. And it's also topped with panko. So I'll be honest, this recipe is definitely not diet friendly at all. <laughs> I actually ended up modifying it a little bit because I was having a hard time with how much butter and just, you know, fattening stuff was in it. So I kind of made like my own version of it. There was still a lot of butter in it, but it was really, um, you know, modified down. So anyway, some of the things I changed about it just to be transparent, I reduced the amount of butter by about oh, a third. I reduced the amount of milk a little bit because it seemed like a lot of milk um, for how much pasta there was. And then it called for two wheels of the Borzen garlic and fine herbs cheese. And I just used one um, only because I didn't want it to be overkill. I knew my kids were going to be eating it. So I thought I'd kind of ease in and we can always double it next time if we want more. So let me go ahead and try this. <laughs> Okay. And I, I knew it would be good. It's good. Uh, my kids had doubles or uh, seconds tonight, which doesn't usually happen. So it's very creamy. It's very rich. I would say that I'm glad I didn't use as much butter because it's already pretty, you know, creamy and cheesy. And it's almost like an Alfredo is what it, it reminds me of, but just with a little bit more seasoning. I think if it passed the kid test, that's the real winner. Like that's when, you know, you've succeeded in the kitchen. Well, and I'm going to be honest too. I cannot take all the credit for making this. My sixth grader helped me make it. She did a lot of the work. She grated all the cheese. She boiled the <laughs> pasta. I helped her make the roux with the flour and the milk, but honestly, she did a lot of it. I did notice that this recipe, this uh, menu item is no longer available. They're not having Borzen sponsoring food and wine this year. Oh. So there's apparently a Mac and Eats kiosk that has different mac and cheese options, but the Borzen is not there. Hmm. But it's really good if you want to make it yourself at home. It wasn't too complicated. Awesome. Well, I kind of take the opposite approach for you, Rachel. I tend to add more butter and cheese. And <laughs> well, you I, live in Georgia. I think it's a requirement. It is. I've been known to Dr. Apollo Dean recipe to make it more cheesy. Oh my, oh my gosh. <laughs> so if that tells you anything about my uh, <laughs> preferences. So, okay. I made the apple strudel that is found in the Germany pavilion. Um, and the apple strudel itself calls for a type of dough called phyllo dough. I'm not even sure if I'm saying that correctly. Is it phyllo or phyllo? Do y'all know? Phyllo. It's phyllo. Have, 
I've never used this before. Have you ladies? I have, and I've actually tried to make my own. Storm is the way to go. <laughs> I've made spanakopita before with it, and it was, it's hard to work with. Yes, it is. It is. It tears very easily. Um, it's super thin, like you can hold it up and basically see through it. The sheets are very thin, um, very brittle. I think that might depend on how long you leave it in the fridge. I know it's in the frozen section at the store, but then they say it does need to be completely thawed before you freeze it, or at least that makes it easier to work with. So I tried that and I've made many apple pies in my life, but I've never attempted apple strudel. So this was a first time for me. The recipe that I followed was on WDW info and it was pretty easy to follow. And the author actually included notes and tips that she personally found helpful. So those were nice to have. Um, one modification that I made, the original recipe calls for raisins. I left the raisins out because I'm just not a fan. Um, all in all, the entire prep took about 30 minutes and the baking time was 25 minutes. So those together is just under an hour. Um, I actually prepared the strudel yesterday, put it in the fridge overnight and baked it today just because we had a busy weekend. So hopefully that doesn't mess with the quality. So now for the moment of truth, y'all, I got the fancy, like our fancy serving ware out of like the, <laughs> the hutch in the formal dining room. All right. It's kind of. And it's good. So I would say pretty much like an apple pie, but the flake, a much flakier crust. So rating, I'm going to give it an eight out of 10 because I like it. So that's our um, food sampling and how we tried the different recipes that are found at Food and Wine. If you guys want to, if listeners, if you want to find your own recipes, you can just Google Epcot food and wine recipes. There are many different links that you can click on because they do have different food that changes throughout the years. So there's lots of links that you could dig through and find something that you want to try. And if you do, definitely let us know. Amber, what, um, what apples did it call for? Granny Smith. Okay. Yep. So it's, is it a little tart or is that just so that the, um, the caramel sauce is not overwhelmingly sweet? Yeah. It's not too tart at all. Like I guess the sugar helps with that. Cause I did, um, another way I modified it. I, it calls for cinnamon on the inside. I also dusted some cinnamon on top just for good measure. <laughs> I don't think you can have enough cinnamon when it comes to apples. There we go. All right. So Rachel, you had a visit recently, so I wanted to hit on that. Did you see or experience anything that you'd like to share with us? Sure. I'll just hit on a couple of things that I thought were great. Um, firstly, we stayed at Coronado for part of the trip. We did a split stay between Coronado and Beach Club. 
And I've never stayed there before. And I really fell in love with that resort. Uh, we visited it before to go to dinner, um, but never stayed. And so we really, really loved it. I would say the one caveat is that we did have a car there. So that made it super easy not to have to worry about the multiple buses that they have. Mm -hmm. I probably would only recommend it to clients with a car. Um, but maybe if people are extra patient, I do think the bus situation there is a little, can be a little tedious agree. Yeah. And it, but I love things there. Um, like the Dahlia lounge, we had drinks there one night, the dig pool is really fun and the kids loved it. There's a great running trail. They have a coffee bar in the main tower that had some really neat Spanish coffees that we enjoyed trying. And I thought it was a really great location too. I, I always equate it to being by animal kingdom but it's pretty central. We were right next door to Blizzard Beach. We hit Blizzard Beach one day. So we had a great time there. And then we also had a couple first, first time at Tiffin's, a new fave. We also tried La mm -hmm. Cellier for the first time. I think the service at Tiffin's was top notch, probably among the best we've had anywhere um, dining wise. I Stephanie, you guys Tiffin's. are big on that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did they and give the, your kids the uh, Joe Rody artwork? They didn't. But one thing that was really fun that happened was my husband ordered the shrimp and grits, which were amazing. And I had major food envy. Like I wish <laughs> I would have ordered his food. And my kids also liked the grits a lot. We were all obsessed with the grits. So they brought us like a huge bowl of the grits to share just on the house. Oh, that's Aww. so neat. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So it was really, it was fun. It rained every single day. <laughs> so when we tell people to bring ponchos we mean it because the Florida weather is very unpredictable we had a ton of pool time Amber we were a three-peat on Gideon's <laughs> how long was your wait oh my gosh so the first time we went we went to the one that's not on Disney Springs and not at Disney Springs mm -hmm. there's a winter park location and that one was negligible the other two times, I think we waited like 45 minutes because we got there when it started or when they opened the queue and we jumped right in line. Mm -hmm. And I know that the peanut butter cold brew is very hyped there. I had a white cold brew and I thought it was even better. So if you're a coffee drinker, check that out. And then one last thing that we loved, I don't know if you guys do this when you go, we did the mini golf at Winter Summerland and we had a blast doing that. It was really, really cute. It snows yeah. on the golf course. They have the fake <laughs> snow like they do on Main Street. Oh, that's fun. Lots of moving things. You, It looks like, you know, it's Christmas. So it was really cute to do that in the middle of summer. So is that the only golf course or mini golf course that's open right now still? I think they alternate between the two. So when one's open, the other's close. And right now they've got winter summer land open again. That makes sense. Yeah. It's a, I liked it a lot better than the Fantasia Gardens. So if you're trying to decide between the two or if you have a choice, I think that one's really themed cuter. Awesome. Yeah, those are the high points. It was really fun. It was kind of a pool trip. We did go to the parks at night, but we were mostly there to relax and, and spend time at the beach club pool. <laughs> That's awesome. I love those kinds of trips. Yes. 
All right, we have a couple of items of Disney news to mention before we close. Um, we're not going to spend a ton of time on these, but if you ladies have comments, I'd love to hear them. So just interrupt at any time. Um, listeners, the Skyliner is going down January 23rd through 28th. So if you are staying at a Skyliner resort, just a heads up on that. Um, next, this is kind of big. Disney announced that Epcot's Space 220 restaurant will be open in September. Finally. Yeah. I didn't know that. I'm so excited. Okay. Now I will, I'll, I'll share the link with Rachel so we can get it put on our social media. I watched a TikTok of an Imagineer walking through I saw that Space one. 220. I have to say I'm underwhelmed by the seating. Oh. <laughs> and I really hope that the screens make up for it and that the elevator, I, I, I at this point, I don't even care about the food. Serve me astronaut ice cream. I'll be fine. <laughs> oh, no. But the tables look like, huh, I mean, it looks like they took booths from Cosmic Rays and uh, Sai dining and just like tossed him on like the the like sides of the restaurant it it's very minimalist inside and so i'm hoping that is because the focus is going to be on your mm. views or the food so we'll see is it a yeah. deluxe or I a signature know. i mean i don't think it is no i don't think so no Hmm. And I was actually listening to a TikTok live before we started recording um, of a couple of just Disney fans that I follow. And they were talking about just hoping that the food is good because sometimes if at the themed restaurants, mm -hmm. sometimes the food isn't the best. You know, people are paying for the experience, not so much the cuisine. Um, so hopefully, I don't even know what's on the menu. Do either of you? I don't, I don't but in comment to that, I would say uh, CBR guest. Um, I mean, the food's got to be pretty darn good because it's got a lot of competition at Epcot. If it's not, people are going to yeah, go elsewhere. That's true. BR guest is not my favorite. Like, I think it's kind of overpriced for what it is. I did like BR guest lunch. But now that the lunch is the same as dinner and the prices are the same, it's not my favorite. I've given up on it. The menu does it. I, I've never been able to get in. Well, I, I had a reservation once during Hurricane Irma and we had to let go of it. And just looking at the menu and then like with each subsequent trips as the prices have gone up. I I've given up. I, I don't, I've not been there. And at this point I don't care to, to be honest. Mm -hmm. It's a super small menu. I'm, I'm with you. Like if you don't see something out of the four options they have, it's not, you know, and they don't jump sound out good and reading the reviews, it doesn't sound like they taste good. But so I, I had, I had extremely high hopes for space 220 because I love, you know, space exploration and travel and, and, you know, a lot of sci-fi space stuff. Um, so it kind of disappointed me to see the, the uh, tables and booths, but mm -hmm. I'll wait until we see the menu and until we see what the kind of like the entertainment, I don't, I don't even know if they're going to be calling it entertainment, but what the screens look like. Yeah. 
And also no word on reservations, even though it's supposed to open in September, it is not on my Disney experience and you're not yet able to make reservations. So we are well into that 60 day window of where mm -hmm. it should be. So I don't know how Disney is planning on handling that. That's something we've yet to see. All right, the next one I had, um, we do have some 50th anniversary merchandise starting to hit the parks, which means that your favorite eBay shoppers have already started buying in bulk and posting those things online. I know, I know. Am I wrong? I swear I saw something that Disney is limiting what people can buy, like the quantity. Have you all seen that? I would assume so. I did not so. see that. Mm -mm. But, um, in the past, in the past, they haven't really done a great job with that, but I feel like I read somewhere that for the 50th year, they are. I say, I'm looking at a pride fan right now that I had to have one of our fellow agents pick up in the parks for me because it sold off of shop Disney within like three hours and then was on eBay for triple the price. Mm -hmm. Some of the 50th year is really cute too. I really like it a lot. I do too. Yeah, really I'm going cute. in December though. So I'm kind of hoping I'll get some discounted leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the, exactly. This is going on for 18 months. It, there should not be a rush on 50th yeah. merchandise. Yeah. All right. All right. A better topic. The Boneyard at Animal Kingdom has partially reopened. Um, my guess is that the play yard part is open, but the part where you dig you know, using the little paintbrushes and things is not, that would be my guess. I know my kids will be thrilled with that because they love doing the boneyard at Animal Kingdom. I was gonna say, and Disney parents across the country said, amen. <laughs> and they really need that after the roller coaster over there closed down. They need something over there. Yeah. What closed down? The primeval, primeval world. Oh, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. All right, and this was really interesting to me. I saw on the web today that it said Rise of Resistance boarding passes were reported to still be available at 4 p.m. today. Oh my like, gosh. That's, that's gotta be a first, right? Yeah, it's gotta be a first. I think crowd level, I haven't checked like wait times or anything, but I would assume that crowd levels are low and they're probably gonna stay low until October. And I don't know if it was like they stayed open from one till four or if they shut it down at one and then saw we have some more availability. So they reopened ah. it. Well, and back to school is such a busy time. I can't imagine it's too crowded down there right now. Right. All right, Stephanie, you want to bring us last week's trivia? Yeah. So last week's trivia question was, aside from Flight of Passage, which ride boasts the longest verified wait time? And then we gave a bonus if you got the year correct. Um, so in 2012, Test Track had a verified wait time of 204 minutes. This really surprised me. Um, we talked after recording last week. Uh, I would have thought that it would have been Seven Dwarfs Mine Train after mm -hmm. a flight of passage, but Seven Dwarfs Mine Train... Uh, was opened after the advent of the new FastPass Plus system. And I wonder if that has something to do with it. And there are a lot of websites that will have the longest posted wait time, but then the verified wait time was 
significantly shorter, sometimes up to an hour shorter than what the posted wait time was. So this, mm -hmm. this was actual verified wait times. Uh, so there were no correct answers this week, but thank you to everyone who took a guess. And I do want to give a special shout out to Bradford because his logic was airtight. <laughs> he really put some thought into it. So he at least deserves a shout out. Yay, Brad. All right, so for this week's trivia in honor of food and wine, the question is, what flavor is the iconic popcorn that is only found in the Canada Pavilion? Do you ladies have a guess? I know I have it. a guess. <laughs> oh, you know? Okay, they're confident, y'all. <laughs> All right, listeners, if you are as confident as Stephanie and Rachel, post it on our socials and we'll be happy to give you that shout out on the next episode. So thank you all for listening to the Fairy Pod Mothers. We are happy to be your one-stop shop for talk and tips for Disney, Universal, and beyond. Please join us on Facebook and Instagram to keep the conversation going. Amber, Rachel, and Stephanie are travel professionals with Main Street and More Travel, a no-fee Disney earmarked agency. Please reach out to us on Facebook for a free quote, rate, review, and please tell it all your friends. And we'll see you real soon. Bye. Bye, y'all.